Welcome to episode number 88 of the Stick to Hockey podcast with Jason Martinez. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Mert. You can follow Russ Cohen, who is on hand on Twitter at Sportsology, sportsology.com for all the latest and greatest uh, there as well. I'm sure there's some baseball writing there as well now, right now, Russ. Yeah, there's a little bit of baseball. We've been doing um, a baseball podcast, too, on my SoundCloud. Uh, that'll be we're doing a live show tonight so people can check out my Twitter feed. I just interviewed Andrew Farris of NXS. That'll be up over the weekend. A lot of stuff going on. OK, and that will now help explain why the intro music today was in excess. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, 30th uh, anniversary of the X album, which most people my age and a little younger like you had it. Yeah, they were an enormous band, by the way. I mean, just global. When Kick came out, um, and you and I, when we were texting yesterday, I mentioned that Shabu Shabazz is one of my favorite albums of all times. That's the Don't Change song is tremendous. Uh, They were a great, great band. So, and he's um, a good guy. It was, it's, it was a fun interview. It really was. Yeah, you you are far reaching. But let me see how far reaching you go when it comes to the number eighty-eight, because it's the eighty-eighth episode. Um, and we know, and obviously in Philadelphia, the Big E, 88, the Crazy Eights line, yeah. Legion of Doom. Yep. Uh, do you have any more 88s you can throw at me besides Lindros? Yeah, my the first 88 in my life was a guy named Rich Caster, who was a uh, wide receiver slash tight end for the New York Jets. He used to catch a lot of Joe Namath's bombs after the Super Bowl. So this is like, you know, 70s. And this guy was really a tremendous receiver. Like he, he's pretty underrated. He caught a lot of touchdowns back in a day where they still ran a lot, except for Namath's teams who threw a lot. Right. So um, that was one more recently, Marvin Harrison. Okay. So you're going football 88. That's easy. Football, you know, but it's funny. 88 to me is more of a football number than a hockey number other than the guys you're going to mention, but I do think of football first for 88. Well, absolutely. But like you look at it and it's a unique hockey number. It was kind of, you know, when Gretzky came in with 99, that was like, whoa, that was a shock to the, to the hockey culture and world. Right. And not many guys could obviously come in with a number like that. And, you know, unless their reputation preceded him, which obviously Wayne's did. Uh, And then Lemieux comes in with 66 Lindros comes in with 88 as kind of the next one of that generational type players well, in the modern Espo, age. Espo kind of did that too with the 77. Yeah. And Bork. Yeah. Cause Bork eventually hung up the seven and took right. it to 77. Um, but obviously Lindros is a big one hall of famer current player though. You have any uh, current 88s? You know, I don't look at numbers that much. So, I, nobody comes to mind. I know I'm going to know the players the minute you say it, but nobody comes to mind. Patrick Kane is an yeah, 88. Yeah. How about Brent Burns wears yeah. 88? Now, both of those players, I would say, are worthy of um, a unique number. They're yeah. both great players. Kane's going to the, the Hall of Fame, the, the, you know, first ballot. He's walking right in the front door yeah. with his numbers and, you know, the accomplishments with three cups and everything else. And, and they're going through a rebuild, which we'll talk about. Uh, Brent Burns, um, great player. Andre Vasilevsky, you have a goaltender that wears 88. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. That's kind of unique. I'm it good with that. Cool. I mean, you know, it's not like Tampa had run out of numbers. <laughs> they <laughs> certainly haven't. Um, no, that's a, that's a good one. You know, and that's one. He's probably the one I think about the least for that. Kane would probably be the one that I would think about in today's terms the most. But it's just for whatever reason, numbers, they don't stick with me. Like, 
I'll I'll give you two more and see if they're worthy. David Posternock, 88. Yeah, he's worthy. Okay. Uh, One of the elite goal scorers in the league this year. Uh, I think he finished fourth in the heart balloting and voting. Yeah. Um, And how about this one? I don't think this one's valid. William Nylander. He's not 80 caliber. No, turn it in. (laughs) Go back to 29. Willie? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Willie. I think he was 29 at one point. So the interesting Uh, thing is what would have happened? I know the Flyers a couple of years ago when he was holding out were hot on the trail. What would have happened if he'd come to Philly? (laughs) He wouldn't have been able to wear 88. No. Yeah. There's no way that you can put another Flyer in that number. It's like putting that's like, it's not like putting a, a Flyer in number one or number 16 or number seven, but it's, you still can't do it. You know, it's it's too fresh in too many people's minds now. I, I think far more people would have less of a problem if you put somebody in, in one of those other numbers because it's from the 70s and, and maybe 80s. Right. But, you know, but there's no statute of limitations, obviously, on, on retirement of numbers where uh, eventually maybe they'll have to get to that point. So no, it's like look, very I, selective. Yeah. It, you know, some players are very identifiable about the numbers. Like I know Lindros is 88, but. But even like Patrick Kane, I don't even think about it that he's 88. I don't know mm-hmm. why. It's just my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Carter Hart's wearing 79. Bobrovsky wears 72. Yeah. And uh, we know why Crosby, I explained it on the last episode, why Crosby wears 87. He was born on the seventh day of the eighth month in the year 1987. So Yeah, see, maybe with Kane, it's not because he's not the first. If you're the first to wear a number, yeah. then it catches my eye. Yep. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, member 55 came in and wh- who were that uh, Gratton? Yeah. Chris were 55. Yeah. I always say Chris Gratton had the best agent, man. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did well for himself as well. Um, Joe, years production. Yes. Joe Yurden's uh, going to join us in just a couple of minutes, covers the entire league. So we're going to talk to him about everything that's gone on around the NHL. Russ, it's been crazy between free agency and boy, we are seeing the effect of a flat cap world. I, I forget what GM termed it this way but he termed it in a way where he called it constipated free agency and the flowing of dollars that it was constipated and the trade market by virtue oh, it was constipated. yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it was jim rutherford i mean he makes a trade every i think three days that he's been on the job or he tries to at least yeah he's, he's made an insane amount of moves um but I, once joe joins us i want to kind of go through the metropolitan division okay and the atlantic division and I want, based on what's happened so far, to make a determination on these teams, whether they are improved from where they finished, whether they're flat from where they finished, so basically okay. the same, or whether they're actually not as good as where they finished. Okay. And we got we got to base that on a couple things. Number one, we got to base it on what these teams have been recently, not on reputation. So, I mean, yeah, if yeah. you look at That'd Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, and we're going to also break down – this goalie uh, thing that went around, uh, I guess it was about a week or two ago. And I think it was NHL network put out this image of yeah. let's one thing about NHL network. Uh, yeah. They didn't have I, Prover off on their list. They didn't have Prover on the list. I, I, I commented pretty quickly on that because it's just mind boggling that you could have a list like that and not have him on it. I get, he's not going to be the winner, but the yeah. fact that he's not on it, you're, I mean, that was just to me that, is a good enough reason to ignore all of the NHL networks list from now to the end of time. Yeah. Well, you saw look when they put out their hundred players and they put out all these different lists that the the guys that they had on this list and, and there's, and I'll look, obviously Petrangelo, Brent Burns, 
Um, Charlie McAvoy's on the list. Drew Doughty, Eric Carlson. I, I don't even know that he belongs on that list right now. He never plays. But like John Carlson, okay. Roman Yossi, I get. Ryan Ellis. Uh, Ryan Suter at this point, is he a top 25? Yeah, I think he still is. Okay, is that a bit? There's a bit of reputation there. No, though. no, he took a lot of minutes last year. Last yeah, year, he is a minutes monster. Yeah. Uh, but Seth Jones, I get it. Shea Theodore, Shea Weber, Victor Hedman, obviously Wierenski, Latang on the list, Klingberg, Mark Giordano, Miro Heiskinen. Now Latang's uh, one where you could say, I mean, he had 40 points last year, but mm-hmm. you could say mm, he's sort of clinging to the list. Like, should he be on it? Yeah, I mean, look if. Proroff's a better defenseman right now in the NHL, all facets, than yeah. Chris Letang. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, the fact that he's not top 20. I mean, they put P.K. Subban on there, and I get why, because he's a lightning rod. Uh, Quinn Hughes is on the list. P.K. Subban, totally based on last year, should not be on the list. No, no, absolutely not. And, but again, and that's, that's why, look, nobody took more criticism. We came out with a book called 100 Ranger Greats, and nobody took more criticism than us. That was, it, you know, it wasn't like the original list book, but it was one of the early ones, you know, in mm-hmm in the 2000s and you know everybody wants to rip lists i get it we all yeah. put out lists for different things i do too and there's always going to be internal or external debate but this one's not debatable <laughs> no he's i mean where would you kind of rank him probably around like 15 four anywhere between 12 and 15 like 12 13 yeah i mean he's a guy that plays 24 plus minutes he capable of playing 28 if you put him in that role mm-hmm. but it's really the other things he takes more shifts than probably any defenseman in the league because yep. he's always back out on the ice. He may not take the longest shifts that may go to Suter or someone like that, but he takes more shifts. And uh, I think 62% of his shifts are D zone starts. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's hefty. <laughs> right. So and this year might be worse without Niskanen. Well, I mean, that's a question, Russ, who's the defense, uh, you know, partner for Ivan Provorov? I mean, Niskanen was had such a profound effect not only on him but the decor in general, and then this kind of surprise retirement of Niskanen has kind of thrown things for a loop. I'm going to give you a surprise answer on this. I think they're yet to sign that guy. You say okay, so you think that guy is not yet with the team? I think they're going to sign like a one year fix, like a Hainsey or someone like that, and say, hey, work it with them because at least you could play this role. Honestly, anybody else who are who is on the Flyers defense elevating to that, you're guessing. Well, I mean, look, from a from a right left standpoint, you could look at obviously Phil Myers. Right. But, but you're you guessing that he could do it. Guessing. Yeah. I mean, you're putting him in a position where, where you maybe feel he's not ready for that yet. Right. Number one. And number two, you also break up that combination of he and Sanheim, which is a strength. Um, and you and you'd probably like to put a veteran that can that can handle that workload with Provorov we know Braun is not that guy no he's a third pairing defender um and works well with Robert Haig uh they sign Eric Gustafson how does he fit into this equation I mean did play with Duncan Keith and had a 60 point whatever I mean again that's like three years ago uh that's the Shane Gostaspare argument by the way it almost is I I felt like Fletcher was a little disingenuous by saying he makes good decisions with the puck because that's that's questionable now he is a really makes good decisions with the puck Gustafson. Okay. Uh, I think that's questionable. Now, is he a good puck mover? Yes. Is he a good skater? Yes. Can he score points? Yes. All of his points have gone down though, but on the flyers, he will get points on that power play because they need somebody. And so that's, that's going to be no problem. I would put him, honestly, I would put him at a five. If you want to put him in the correct role, you put him at five, you put him with Braun and that's where you hide him on your even strength minutes. 
That's okay. what I would do. Okay. And then, so are you, what are you doing with Robert Haig? Robert Haig, that's an interesting one because if nothing else happens, there's no other moves made. He may be the guy they put it to simply because, hey, just play physical and defensive and let Provorov handle the rest. And he might be the guy they throw in there. That would be interesting. Uh, joining us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast, uh, Joe Yurden judges. Joe, how you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. Nice to be back with you guys. Yeah, thanks. There's so much to talk about, Joe. We're kind of debating, you know, the, the surprise retirement of Matt Niskan and, and the fallout from that. The Flyers sign Eric Gustafson. Um, they still have Shane Gostaspare uh, under control with, with this team. Who knows what the, the Gustafson signing may mean for, for Gostaspare. Uh, but in a flat cap world, it's really hard to, to move dollars and, and move anything at this point. Uh, w- when you look at the situation with the Flyers and maybe what they did, or m- more so, Joe, what they didn't do uh, with free agency. I didn't think they were a free agency team, but thought maybe more of an active trade team. But that seems to be a, uh, a stuck market as well. Um, you look at the situation with them. They don't look like an improved team right now with the big loss of Niskan and do they? No, not really. And I, th- I think with adding Gustafson, that's it's a it's a strange pickup because he's you know I've had a couple of people describe him as he's a one way guy and that one way is is offense and uh, you know I, I mean if that's a need that you that that you need on your if that's if that's something desperate you need on your blue line then then okay but uh, but just know that you have to shelter him you, know, you have to really be judicious with his minutes and and you better use him on the power play uh, and to me that sounds like a need that that's already filled by Shane Goss's bear. Uh, as it is. Um, but if that's, but I mean, if, if Gosses is a guy that you're looking to move on from, I mean, it's like you said, the, the trade market is, is stuck and teams are just not going to add payroll unless they have to. And I don't think there's too many teams that are in that position, at least not right now. I mean, maybe that changes when the training camp comes around and it's time to really start cutting some paychecks. Uh, and, and getting getting to that cap floor or getting you know getting into a more a, a better situation, but um, but I mean if Gustafson is your big pickup, I mean you can't really call free agency a big win. It, to me, if you want to put a positive spin on it, it says that they really like what they have with this Flyers team currently. But um, it, it's it's really it's really hard to say that this is a team that that took steps towards towards becoming a Stanley Cup winner. Hey, Russ, when you look at it, it's Joe, you make a great point because, Russ, when you look at it, and we heard Elliot Friedman talk about this on 31 Thoughts, and he's tweeted about it that, and written about it in the blog that the Flyers are a team that can make any trade because they have pieces that teams want. That's young pieces. They have picks. They have prospects. You know, they have uh, across the board. And he said, if you have stuff that every team wants, then why give it up? Because it's obviously valuable. So, this is, I don't know if this was the plan of Chuck Fletcher going into free agency to kind of hold on to everything, but maybe it just played out that way. I think it just played out that way. I uh, honestly, if, if I'm going to be fair, Chuck Fletcher got capped out in Minnesota and whether we had a pandemic or not, he was going to be capped out in Philly too. That's just the way he operates. Mm-hmm. Now he does have plenty of assets he could trade, but he doesn't have free cash. And to free cash, like Joe was saying, would have to be trading someone like Ossospear or JVR. And right now, it's hard to do that. So unless you're going to move a guy like that with a high pick just to clear the space to make a better trade so you can fill a contract, as an example, like if you're trying to get line A 
you know, you're going to have to trade like connected. You're going to have to get things to balance and, you know, you're not going to be able to just trade prospects for them. Like, it's just, it's not going to work like that for either team. So they're not, they're in a weird spot. They're a good team. I don't know if they'll get as far this year. I have to see what the finished product is, but right now it's not a finished product. Yeah. Joe, let me ask you this because right now they have a little bit uh, under $5 million in cap space. They still have to sign Phil Myers to, to his RFA deal, which I don't anticipate being a problem. Uh, probably a bridge deal because that makes sense right yeah. now for, for both parties, given the current uh, economic climate. Uh, but you look at it and going into the season with some cap space, that could be a really advantageous thing to have to make an acquisition in season when teams look like they maybe they're not going in the right direction. They're going sideways. They don't feel like they can sign a player. And that's something that not a lot of teams have going into a season is cap space to be able to, to make that happen. Is There's going to be value in that market, I would assume, in season, isn't there? Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely say so. Especially given that uh, when you're when you're looking around at what teams are going to be doing, I mean, there's going to be teams that are going to be sellers for for sure. Um, and you know, with Seattle coming up on on the horizon, there's going to be moves that are going to be bound to that as well. I and mean, I know teams are already doing that uh, already, given some of their signings as it is uh, to prepare for that. But uh, but there's going to be there's going to be moves happening. Uh, and with this season, it's going to be a shorter schedule. Um, it, it's going to be a tighter group. It's going to be everything about it is going to, you're going to have teams that are going to have to make moves sooner than later, uh, to be able to adjust for that because, uh, you're, you're talking about uh, a schedule, whether it's 48 or 60 games, but you know, what have you, uh, a five game losing streak is going to, is going to, is going to settle out a season quicker than anything. And that's that, that to me says that the teams are going to, are going to be very fluid. They're going to, they're going to have to make decisions and, and they're going to have to do it really fast. And having that sort of salary flexibility, you know, I, you know, given whatever Meyer signs for, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from maybe two to $3 million in that flexibility, I would assume. Um, uh, that, that, that to me says that fully puts them in a spot to, that they can move things around a little bit easier. Yeah, if they get into an LTIR situation as well, or if they, you know, want to send some, dump some cash the other way, you send a prospect or something to, to make that palatable. Um, Joe, what are you hearing the latest about start date? I know Gary has mentioned uh, January 1st. I don't see that as a viable possibility, January 1st, because why would you, you know, bring the players in for a two-week camp, have them go home for a holiday and have them come back? To me, yeah, just start that- the camp after and start mid-January. Yeah, that 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 January first date, I think was was a hope that maybe you could start the season with a with a winter classic type of game. But they, I mean, they've, they've already said they're postponing that. Um, looking at how the OHL and the AHL are, are setting kind of setting their dates around February fifth, or that first week of February somewhere in there, I would have to guess that the NHL has to has to throw that date around as a possible uh, target area, whether they start a week before or a week after or, or right around the same time. That seems to make a lot of sense because then you're just you're clear on the decks. You're past the holidays. You don't have to you don't have to do any breaks for that. Uh, your training camp you could probably maybe start a training camp around right after New Year's. That that seems to make sense to get guys in, get them skating, get them working out, and maybe get a plan in place to figure out how you're going to set up divisions, how you're going to set up uh, hub cities. Maybe do you know doing things along those lines. Uh, I know a lot of the, the discussion hasn't really come up with the co- competition co- or the uh, the players committee and, and, and the owners and, and whatnot to figure out what they're going to do for that. But 
February seems to make a lot of sense. If I had to bet, make a bet on a schedule length, I would say 48 games. But I think if you do a hub city sort of situation, maybe going 60 makes sense because then you don't have to worry about travel. You don't have to do a lot of that stuff. But um, but but as far as as far as when it starts, February makes a ton of sense to me because you're you're, you're maxing out maximizing the amount of time you can you can do to prepare for everything and clear away from the holidays. Yeah, I, I think you're looking at at least probably like the third week of January because they're going to give those teams that didn't play that didn't make the return to play those seven clubs the you know the california teams ottawa blah 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 uh, they're going to give them a little bit more of an extended training camp and if you're giving the regular the teams that were in the 2014 two weeks and you come right back it, you're looking at probably you know late january to get started R russ uh one of the things that's being bandied about obviously is the canadian border it's a, it's a huge issue um if if players can't come and go freely there would be quarantine periods and maybe at least they start the season you know with an all-canadian division and I saw on TSN, they, they put out, based on mileage and, you know, some, some logic here for a change. What, what a concept, right? To have this all-Canadian division. And obviously, that's Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. Uh, then in the West, you would have your Western division, which would be Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, the Kings, San Jose, and Vegas. Your South would be Carolina, Dallas, Florida, Nashville, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay. Then you'd have your Lakes division, if you will, Buffalo, Columbus, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. And then your East would be the Boston Bruins, New Jersey, the Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, and Washington. You good with that that kind of uh, division? The teams in the East don't have to travel a whole heck of a lot, man. No, you, I mean, they're car rides. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, they're definitely going to save on travel. The NBA is doing it. But I don't know. Do you have to change divisions or can you just have those teams play each other on the schedule for the first month? And then the second month, you kind of resume a, a more normal schedule, even if you're just trying to still save on travel. I don't think you have to move the divisions. I think you just have to have the schedule correspond that way and let those teams just play each other a lot. It won't be a normal schedule, but I think. Well, there's some interconference there, too. That's the other part. Yeah. So I think that's what they should do. Uh, I do think things could change after the election. I think that's part of Trudeau's issue here. I mean, it's not like COVID doesn't exist in Canada. It's just they're doing a better job, but it exists in both places. Uh, U.S. players are going to come over the border for the World Juniors. How's that going to magically happen? It's well, they're going to they're, they're going to quarantine. They got to right. December seventh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I do think there's a way of getting these things to work out, but I think I think they could start camp after the new year, and then yeah, at some point roll into the season. And I do see I could see I could envision when they're in camp things changing rapidly, like all of a sudden, okay, camp's gone from two weeks to three weeks. Okay, uh, we've now expanded roster, so some of the younger players who have just either come back from the World Juniors or are you know, going to come back from overseas can now play on your roster until the AHL and these other leagues start. You know, I can see them being some amended rules here so players can still keep playing because ultimately that's the big goal here is to keep everybody playing. Uh, you don't want a bunch of prospects sitting around. Yeah, I think you're going to see a situation, too, where like we saw with Major League Baseball and like we're seeing with the NFL, when teams have positive tests, there, there's flexible scheduling and rescheduling, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think we could see an NHL schedule almost come in three parts. Like you'll have part one with this all-Canadian division. That's where we start. And you see how things go. And eventually that moves into where you can travel across the border and they open it up and those teams, then you get part two of the schedule. And yeah. then the, the integration of fans in some cities, maybe initially or not at all. And then eventually 
to socially distance. Uh, but, but Joe, what's your sense on how how much the NHL values getting back to a normal start schedule for the 21-22 season? Uh, I, the sense for me is um, if, if they keep things tight this year um, with, with the schedule and like trying to get back on a normal timing for playoffs and Stanley Cup finals and draft and all that stuff, trying to get it back uh, that way, it depends honestly on how much how, how, how much they are thrown off by how things have gone this year. Uh, I, my original thought with, with how this was going to go was that they were going to have to stagger things out a little bit to try to get back to normal, just because uh, things aren't squared away with, with coronavirus and, and all that stuff here or even in Canada. I mean, things seem to be going poorly again. Um, not, that's going to play a factor or anything, anything in how things go, but um, but trying to get back to normal for 21-22, I think that was always that was always the goal was that they were going to you know eventually you're going to get back to an 82 game schedule. Eventually you're going to get back to a full calendar of events and, and trying to get it back on time. But um, it really depends on how things play out uh, right now. I mean they haven't set any hard dates for anything. I mean they haven't really haven't really gotten any planning underway for for 2021. Uh, but, it, but as far as getting Seattle off the ground, I think that's a very necessary thing uh, is to get back to thinking that 2122 is going to be a normal year uh, with normal timing and whatnot. But, um, but I mean, as, as far as uh, getting, getting those steps taken, it's, it, it almost makes this season as, as kind of a sacrifice uh, in a way. I know that's not the phrasing they'll ever use for it, but uh, but as far as getting getting this, the the calendar back on back on normal terms, I think that's it, it's going to be vital as far as getting the right number of games scheduled, getting the playoff schedule sort sort of normalized, and and getting all the off season events uh, for next for next off season squared away. Yeah, maybe a one little more, sh- one more short term pain for some long term gain, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah one, one more one more thing to add on. So. Gary Bettman's going to wait to the last possible minute to say they're not playing 82 games because the minute he says that, whether he says he's playing 48 or 60, uh, that's when the fight with the Players Association starts the same way it happened with baseball because these players are only going to be making 72% of their salary anyhow, and they're going to be playing fewer games. So now they're even going to be making less money than they thought that they would be making when they cut the deal, right? So now there's going to be a fight here. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, look, I think there's – they you'll never hear this verbalized on the record, but I think there's a lot of NHL owners that are saying, I don't want to play 82 games because if I play 82, I'm playing more without a fans. Right. I'm losing more revenue, but I'm paying my overhead still is the same because we're playing games. Now you right. mitigate some of that with TV and local TV and 60 is the, the number you want to get to there. But uh, you know, I, I think some of the ownership groups would, would prefer to play 60 games and, and not, and play less games without fans and maybe start a little later. Yeah. So talking about the ownership group, I know Bettman said that, you know, they're good for a couple of years based on what's going on in Arizona. Are they good for a couple of years? I don't know. I mean, they're good for this season. I can't Mm -hmm. guarantee for 21, 22 that they'll be playing in Arizona. They haven't even paid their rent. They still rent on the building they're in. So that's sort of cleverly being hidden right now. And we don't know how that's going to work out. Also now this revelation from Pierre McGuire with Tom Dundon that there's an out with him in the Hurricanes. Again, what's going to happen with that? He's got to make up his mind in November whether he's going to 
put in the money for that last chunk of the team or apparently it reverts back to the Carmanos family. And so like, what Hopefully about it's not that? like the XFL where he, he loaded yeah. that money in and lost it. Yeah. So, I mean, what's going to happen with that? Like all of a sudden we don't know. So I think the 21, 22 schedule might be tricky because I think there might be some changes. Yeah. And I, look, the other part of it's going to be the Olympic calendar that's going to come in and we're assuming that the Olympics are going to happen in August right. on NBC. And the NHL has said that they can go to other outlets and come up with a joint partnership to get all their games and their playoffs aired on television uh, in both the States and in Canada. But um, th- that's another part of the equation, maybe a shorter off season where they'd end by August and then pick up with a normal training camp in late September and just shade it a little bit and, and kind of cut it down a little bit, but certainly have 82 games. Um, let's go to Arizona, Joe, because boy, what, what a story this, this is with, with Mitchell Miller. Um, I know a lot of people knew uh, of, you know, the allegations against him of bullying um, and maybe they didn't know the depth of it. I, from what I understand, a lot of people took him right off their board when they saw this red flag. Um, I don't know if Arizona just didn't do their due diligence. Now, look, they had a lot of moving parts there. The Chica situation, obviously. They bring in a new general manager who wasn't even there when they drafted him. You know, new president, all of these different things, but it's no excuse. And they end up announcing the pick. And this is a team that's not flush with picks because they lost a couple, a second rounder and a first rounder because of the violation on the uh, testing. So, uh, I mean, how does this play out for, for first Mitchell Miller? And this is a horrible look for Arizona. Yeah. It's um, it's something where it was extremely avoidable on Arizona's part. Um, I think everybody knew what I I would, I would assume this is a big assumption, obviously, but I assume that all that all these scouting departments and everybody knew, uh, what was in this kid's background that what was very, I mean, it was very obvious, uh, apparently, um, that, that this, that this, this whole thing, this character was out there. I mean, character stuff is something that teams are supposed to be digging deep into and, and know a lot about anyway. And this isn't something that was necessarily swept under, swept under the rug. This was out there. Um, this was, this, this was in this kid's background. And the, the fact that Arizona and university of North Dakota, both, decided that yeah we'll 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 take this kid on just blows my mind that that talent can some somehow supersede these kind of glaring character problems and you know these are and people want to say that you know oh well he was 14 i mean this is extreme it's this is extremely disgusting behavior from anybody never 14 24 54 it doesn't matter uh this is this horrendous behavior and, and such a long long stretch of time where he bullied this kid i mean we're talking six years worth of bullying uh, a kid in such disgusting ways that uh, i i i it blows my mind that that somehow people can look at this and say you know what this is worth it we can bring this we can bring this kid in for, for this and there's uh, been no contrition though either that's the other no, part of it and no, that's a major that's, issue that's like the whole thing. And you you want to bring somebody on and and just have them just not give any sort of care about somebody else. I I don't know how you bring somebody like that into a team situation, in any situation, and say like this, this is going to work for us. This we we're okay with this. It, it, that just absolutely kills me. He needs well, I mean, shit every, kicked every out of him, by the way. Yeah, Sorry. every level failed. <laughs> every level. So yeah. I watched him play in the USHL, and he was playing top pair D man in that, and he's really good. So obviously the kid can play because if he couldn't play, we wouldn't even be talking about him because, you know, he never would be drafted and 
you know. So, so the USHL knew they passed them on. I think part of the issue here is we keep hearing it's just bullying, but there's physical abuse in this. And I think and a mentally not, challenged kid too. Yes. But I also think not mentioning those things and just keep passing it off as bullying, I think glosses it over. Cause we think bullying, sometimes you just think, you know, mental, uh, not mental of uh, verbal abuse. Yeah. You don't necessarily go straight to physical, but this had physical abuse. So this had every element of bad. Yeah. Racism, <laughs> really all that. Right. Yeah. So then you get to the point where it's like, okay, He's never even apologized to the kid, but yet in that letter acted like it's all okay. Yeah. And it's not okay. Right. So at the end of the day, there are a lot of people that let it, let it go, look past it. As far as from the hockey perspective, clearly Arizona looked at it and said, whoever made the decision, I know Armstrong wasn't allowed to be with the draft. So then, we know who's next, who should be making the decision. And that does lead to a question of whether um, the Sabres had him on the board or took him off the board. Maybe Joe knows that answer. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but clearly he was on the board for Arizona and they felt like they were getting good value there and overlooked the rest. Like, Hey, we're, you know, we're not drafting to the fourth round. We're getting a second round value here. And unfortunately that's what happens in sports when you make yeah, skill supersedes morality a lot. Yeah. And so then even though the CEO said in that statement, he knew, did he know the depth of it? I don't know about that. I, I don't get the sense that Javier Gutierrez did. Uh, I don't think he knew the depth of it, but again, everybody, it's a failure from all of these levels down and USA hockey, you know, he might go to camp for the yeah. world juniors. North Dakota, to my knowledge, hasn't made another statement or any statement that I've seen lately. So, like, yeah, again, goes, look, I, I think, look, the first thing he needs to do is he needs have to some, some sensitive training and, and contrition. Absolutely. And I, I believe everybody gets, should get a second chance, but his second chance has to come through a very difficult road, in my opinion. He's got yeah. to check a lot of boxes before he's earned it. Yeah. Second chance, you know, we talk about second chances in life. Second chance in life is fine. You don't have to get a second chance in hockey. You don't. No. There's no, nothing right. that says that. Yeah. You could earn it. Yeah. Um, let's move on to some happier uh, commentary. And Joe, I'm so glad you're here because you're so close to the Buffalo Sabres organization. And in free agency, boy, they shocked the living you know what out of me. When I'm on Twitter on that Sunday evening and I see Taylor Hall signs with the, the Buffalo Sabres. What? $8 million, one-year deal. And we know money wasn't flying around and he wasn't going to get that long-term, uh, you know, contract that, that he's seeking. We've heard so much that he wants to win. Um, maybe that's not a situation where he's going to win right now. They're a team on the rise, but he's going to play with Jack Eichel and that's going to build up some stats and maybe in a more certain financial future for NHL and NHL teams, he's going to cash the next one. Were you surprised that he signed in Buffalo or how surprised were you? I think on the front, it's it's a stunning move. Um, I, I think that I think that goes without saying. I don't think anybody had him penciled in for Buffalo, especially after he, he was saying he wants to go to a winner. But uh, but that's where the history of Ralph Kruger comes into play. Uh, him playing for Kruger when he was when he was younger in Edmonton, 
where Ralph was an assistant for two years and he was, uh, he was a head coach for, for that lockout shortened season in 20, 2013, that, that made a huge impression apparently on, on Hall. And that, that to me speaks, speaks volumes for, for being able to pull an ace out of your sleeve uh, as far as, as far as things go for Buffalo, because that, that turned out to be a real big, big coup for them to, to get them. And you know what, we, you know, we, 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 spar- we started this off talking about shortened seasons. And this is one where, you know, I think on paper, if you, this is an 82 game season, you're looking at Buffalo going like, you know what, I, I don't really see this as being a team that's going to do much of anything again. You could still say that too, given, given the goaltending and the defense uh, makeup, but, uh, but this is a team right now that, I mean, hey, look at what they've done the last couple of seasons where they started and out game like, win streaks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, you know, 10 game winning streaks. They get off, you know, they had the, the hottest October last year where you looked at them and you said, wow, this, this team might be doing something finally. And uh, All it takes right now is to, is to get hot for half a season. This What happened with baseball? <laughs> I mean, yeah. baseball basically played out where it was an 80 game season with playoffs total. Uh, all you had to be good was be good for half a season. If Buffalo can do that now. Hey, they can be a playoff team and they're going to score goals. I mean, there's no doubt about it now. The hall changes the whole makeup of, of that depth chart and adding Eric Stahl does that too. Totally because agree. Suddenly they've got two lines where you can say, well, these two lines can really score, but you, you know, you have Jeff Skinner, you got Victor Olofsson signed, you got Reinhardt signed, you got all, you know, they got all the ducks in a row right now. And suddenly you're looking at a third line where, you know, Cody Eakins your center where you might not be excited about that, but, Maybe you're putting Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner on on the left wing, or Victor Olsen on that wing, and you're saying, "All right, maybe this is a, maybe this is a team that's going to be able to to score a ton of goals. This this could be it gets set a lot here, but maybe this could be the kind of setup where it the expectations are so low, but it could be like 2006, and suddenly they come out and blow everybody's doors off by scoring a ton of goals, and they can ride the bad defense and goaltending and just just say whatever, beat us in goals, it's fine. Yeah, and, and we just don't know what teams are going to have struggle in a shortened season too, may not get their feet under them where they need the full 82 to assert their dominance because they get off to a slow start. How much of this Russ is about Jack Eichel? He voiced his displeasure and, you know, Buffalo does not want to lose another guy in in the same kind of fashion where they lost Ryan O'Reilly, although Eichel's superior player. O'Reilly's a really good player, but Eichel is one of those guys that's a, a cornerstone for many, many, many years that had to be a big part of the equation here and ownership hurt him. Yeah, there's no question. They're, they're helping out Jack and, and he's definitely going to be happy for this year. The, well, he's picking up every dinner tab for Taylor Hall the entire season, <laughs> trying to keep him there. Taylor Hall's got enough money. I don't know if he has to, <laughs> um, but the, the issue is preventing goals. Now I don't think their defense is bad, but I do think their goaltending is suspect. And I kind of wonder Joe, why not invite him to Craig Anderson or at least sign him to a one year cheap deal a million dollar deal so you have somebody where if all of a sudden goaltending goes sideways because we've seen anderson you can put him in and sometimes he'll win 10 in a row and even at his age i do think he has some value and i do feel like that's a missing component here that they got to sort of nail down before they go into the regular season yeah the goaltending is it seems like they're they're squared away on it with with allmark uh, they, they do like Linus Allmark quite a bit. Uh, I know sure. they have a long term with him, but they do like him. Uh, and he is good. I mean, uh, but I think the big question is Carter Hutton. Um, I think that's, that's obvious. I mean, you know, he had a vision issue last year that he's, that he's had resolved, but, uh, but do you know what you're getting? Uh, I don't know for sure. I mean, he looked great. He looked 
outstanding last October. I mean, he started off six zero and one. He had like a nine fifty save percentage. Nobody can sustain that. Let's you know we we know that's not realistic. But but the from where he started and where he finished, it was it was unbelievable. He ended up like a you know sub nine hundred save percentage. That's not getting it done for anybody. But the, the, the where the areas where they need to be stronger, yeah, goaltending, um, defense can be better. Uh, penalty kill has to be better. The only team that was worse than them was Detroit on penalty kill last year. And when you're down there with the Red Wings at last season, that's that's not that's not where you want to be. Eakin's uh, a good penalty killer. He'll help them there if they use him there. Yeah, but I I, I look at that and yeah yeah Eakin Eakin can help out, but they lost Johan Larson. I, I cannot say enough good things about him. People accuse me of being a fanboy of his. <laughs> it's not true, but. Uh, but a lot of he, he was a classic do all the little things guy. Yeah, he did all those little things so well, and he drives opposing players crazy. Uh, like like I'm talking, not just you know other grinder level players, but I'm talking like look at his numbers against Connor McDavid and the the handful of matchups he's had against him. If I'm Connor McDavid, I'm pulling my own hair out that this guy's gonna be gonna be in my conference and I got to deal with him more often because. He just he, he does so well against guys that at that elite level that if this team did was a playoff team last season or the year before, it would have gotten more more notice that as to how good he was. But uh, but yeah, I mean they're counting on him to do it. They're counting on Curtis Lazar to do some of that too, which I mean that's fine. But, but uh, for once, I'd say the top six is no longer a problem for Buffalo. It's, it's right. the bottom six is that, that that's the issue. And we'll see if they can keep the puck out of their net. Um, a couple other free agency signings. Do, do we all like uh, the, the Petrangelo deal to Las Vegas? I have one big issue with it, and it's that it, it cost them another player that they signed to a long-term contract. And Vegas is quickly uh, getting a reputation of being very ruthless. Players are going there looking to settle and stay there for a long time, and they're turning them over left and right looking for the next uh you know shiny new toy that's on the market and you're out of here and uh, you lose control and and all of a sudden a player that committed there and schmidt and H. schmidt is now gone um it, i think eventually that way of doing business catches up with a team and players become a little reticent even though it's it is vegas and it's probably a cool place to live and play uh but the overall the petrangelo deal what do you think on that russ i mean it's a good deal in the sense that they're yeah. a better hockey team yeah he makes him a better hockey team. Mm -hmm. They did need to get better actually defensively. He does that besides being good offensive. Is he going to be great throughout the whole deal? Probably not. But the, the problem is, is they're going to probably suffer and they shouldn't because they're an expansion team, but they didn't operate like an expansion team because their owner is getting older and wants to win now. So now they, they're going to be in like a Blackhawk situation in a few years, especially if the cap continues to stay the same in that, You've got some bigger, slower guys. And when those guys can't skate anymore, when Stone starts having trouble, when Pacioretty starts having trouble, if you haven't won a cup, now you're going to suffer because they don't have the deepest uh, prospect system. They should be among it. But again, they had to start it from scratch and they've moved guys to make some of these deals. And so they're like in the middle of pack that way. So it's not like they have a load of options down there. They, you know, they'll, they'll have some that goes, Hey, they have some guys, but, and there'll be some other guys, Jack Dugan, but it's going to take a little while for some of them. But at the end of the day, they could have a bad mix in three years, Like they better win a cup in the next two years. Cause look, even Mark Andre Fleury might be there, but he doesn't want to be there. We all know that. Nobody's going to do him a favor and take that off their hands though. Right. Unless and they so, eat half of it. Yeah. So 
if they don't win a cup within the next two years, they could start to have a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, Joe, what did you think of uh, the Tory Krug signing in St. Louis, uh, you know, prior to Petrangelo signing in Las Vegas? I, I think that was a good way for them to balance it out. I think they had to know Petrangelo wasn't going to be sticking around. Um, I know all the talk seemed to point that he was going to be staying, that he was going to be, that he was hashing it out. And a lot of people thought it was going to be like a Stamco situation where he hear all the offers and just stay, stay where he was. But it, it, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a big one buying on that. Cause I knew Vegas was going to be, was very hot for him for Petrangelo, but Krug jumping into St. Louis makes a lot of sense in, in a way, because I, I like the way that their defense sets up now with, with having him and Vince Dunn. Uh, I know they still have to get him squared away with a contract still, but uh, those are smaller guys that can move the puck really well. And I think having guys like that in the West where everybody is just, and St. Louis is a big bruising team too. Let's not, let's not discount that, but having guys like that, that can kind of get in and out of traffic and move the puck really well and play really tough. Uh, Cause Krug plays very hard. I mean, he's not, he's not your prototypical, just, you know, kind of a, a, and I don't want to say soft guys hate being called soft. He's not soft, but guys that aren't known as being a physical sort of puck mover. Um, he's not that sort of way. I mean, he's a smaller guy, but man, he's tough as nails. Yeah, he'll go back on pucks. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a little bit of an overpayment for Krug. I mean, all of these are going to be some sort of overpayment, but I do think they needed to make that move Yeah, because I do think it would have been too big a hole in her defense to overcome, you know, two years removed from losing Bo Meester and then you lose Petrangelo. That's, that's a lot of loss on the blue. There's, line. A, there's an optic thing there too, for, for the yes. St. Louis blues, a team that's still in the mix to, to, to win another cup. Uh, but you after... know what? They, they, they save a little money though on Petrangelo to crew. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, it's, yes. it's a step down in, in player quality, uh, yeah. I think to a degree, but, um, but you're saving, you're still saving some money there as opposed to dropping a, you know, a ton of money on Petrangelo. Yeah. You know, I, I thought if they were going to bring back Petrangelo, like someone like Steen would have to get bought out. So he's probably breathing a sigh of relief. Yeah, he'll stay. He won't get bought out and have to go onto the market and double dip. Right. Although who wouldn't want to double dip in, in this day and age, right? <laughs> which which brings me to the goalie market and Henrik Lundqvist, who's double dipping. Uh, the, the million and a half, you knew that was going to be the number uh, when yeah. you looked at what he was losing in the buyout situation. And he ends up in Washington and he's partnering up with uh, Samson off there. Uh, interesting goalie situation in Washington with Peter Laviolette coming in. We know what Lavi does in year one with just about every team, year one and two. Boy, he turns teams around and takes them far. Uh, good hire for the Caps. Uh, but when you look at this goalie market, Joe, boy, it was like musical chairs, and there wasn't a ton of chairs, but there was a ton of dance partners, a ton of goalies out there. Talbot gets the deal in Minnesota, which I thought was an overpayment. Markstrom gets the big deal in Calgary. What stuck out to you in the goalie market? Yeah, I, th- I think it was it was for one. I thought it was nice for Robin Leonard to fi- finally get a get a long term deal somewhere and get settled in. I never pictured it would be Vegas, uh, but I think the, <laughs> I think in Markstrom's case, uh, it, it seemed like there was it, it was a limited market for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not looking at it, because it seemed like Vancouver wasn't too eager to go long-term there and it just seemed like it was down to calgary and edmonton and it was a question of which one was going to really step up i'm more thrown off by edmonton just sticking by mike smith because i think they got left out of the they got left out of the dance by everybody else just yeah that was puzzling that was puzzling. i thought that may be a spot for Holpe, but he ends up going to vancouver and taking that spot for marsham to be the i guess the mentor if you will to thatcher demko and, and right. look the, 
the one thing we haven't mentioned that expansion draft looming is a big part of this equation too. If you, are you going to, based on what you saw in Demko in the playoffs, when Markstrom got hurt, you go, boy, we'd hate to just lose this guy for nothing in an expansion draft. And he'd be tremendous value for Seattle. There's no, they'll, they'll protect him. They'll leave, they'll leave Hopi. They'll leave Hopi out. Now. Yeah. But if they had, had they signed Markstrom, yeah. then they would have had to expose him. Right. Uh, cause, cause Markstrom also, I believe got a no move. So he yeah. would have had to have been, and that's, that's a big part of the equation as I mean, well. The Lundquist thing, look, the one thing that we don't know, the big unknown here is Samsonov's health. He wasn't, he wasn't at the bubble because he had the ATV accident. We've never heard a report like, hey, he's recovering or hey, he's good yeah. or he's ready to start next season. We haven't heard anything. So I don't know to what extent his injuries were or how that'll affect him playing this year. So I think it was smart for, for the Washington to do this. Now, everybody is just assuming, well, Samsonov's the number one. Well, I think they'll start the season with Lundqvist at the number one, and he'll have to lose that job. And and I think Look, they're both going to play in a condensed schedule like that. Every yeah, every yeah. team is going to be using two goalies. But I, but I think opening night you're going to see Lundqvist in that, and I think that's the only way that Laviolette should play that. I also think Laviolette will have great respect for Lundqvist. He's seen him his whole yeah. career, and I think that's going to be good. I also noticed that they loaded up a little bit more on the blue line where they could to help that out because Lundqvist doesn't move as fast side to side as he used to, but everything else is still pretty good in the playoffs. He played fine. It wasn't, he, yeah. he wasn't the reason Rangers lost those games. He was fine. So I do his think advanced numbers last year in a tough environment were pretty darn good. Yeah. They were, look, the Rangers defense was top six. <laughs> it was a hot mess. It oh, total. Yeah. And, and so this could be a help for him. And I also think he's going to be really focused because he is a prideful guy and I think this could be, you know, Washington needed a, a kick in the ass. Last year, there were so many games where they just didn't show up. And, it, and especially in the bubble, they, them in Pittsburgh, like once they saw that there was a little adversity, they were just like kind of. Yeah, eh. The teams that recently won a cup that were like, eh, I yeah. don't really feel like dealing with this shit. Yeah, so. I, you know, St. So. Louis too. They no, checked John, out. You, you, you as soon as you got down, it was like, oh, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> you there know, was a, there was a little bit of that. Our and fans aren't going to kill us. We got a cup, a recent cup. We're good. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, with a guy like Lundquist, who really does want to win, because he could have just retired and, and still everybody would think great of him. He will, he will be very vocal in that locker room if he feels like guys aren't giving an effort. He doesn't care. He'll teach Samsonov how to be a pro too. He he won't get off the ice. If Samsonov gets off the ice on just a sheer practice day before him, then there's an issue. (laughs) You know, when you're talking, and and he's a guy that'll sit out there and take shootout and breakaway attempts for a half hour after practice. And players love it that love that are they're ice hogs that love to stay out there the entire time. Um, Crawford ends up in New Jersey to partner with Mackenzie Blackwood. I I think it's a good pickup for New Jersey, to be honest with you. Crawford, I I thought looked really good in the playoffs, Joe. and now that he seems to be seemingly over these concussion issues and some of the injuries he's dealt with, um, that's a great depth pickup, I think, for the Devils. That could move the needle forward for them. Yeah, and, and like you pointed out, this is going to be a season where you're going to need two goalies. And Devils, they didn't have anybody else really to to go with Blackwood once they, you know once once they bought out they bought out Schneider and you know, Schneider. I mean, we'll see what happens with him with, with the Islanders, but I mean. Uh, but I mean, bringing in Crawford, I mean, that's, that's a huge pull for them. That's a, that's a, that's a, it's such a great addition because the guy works like a guy, he was so underappreciated in Chicago. Right? Even while they were winning cups, it was always kind of like, well, who's the, who's somebody else that could really step in the goal here? Cause you know, they, I, I, I don't know. Like he was anti Niemi. I was like, what's going yeah. on here? I, 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 I had like a 934 save percentage. 
Yeah, and I and I I think that's that's sort of the mindset that got that got plugged into Chicago because they were able to do it in the Emmy, and they were just kind of like, we don't really need a goalie here. We can do this with anybody. It was, yeah. Crawford was just kind of like, all right, well, I guess I'll just keep standing on my head. <laughs> I'll yeah. keep I'll just keep doing my job here, guys. But uh, but adding him to New Jersey, I mean, New Jersey showed a lot of life at the end of last season. I mean, they were they were dog crap for for months, and yeah. then. You know, Blackwood stepped up and played really well for for the last couple of months, and the Devils played really strong hockey. I mean, they were not. I mean, I watched them. I watched the Sabers put seven goals on them twice last season, early in the year, and I was just like, Geez, "These guys are going to get dog walked all year. This is going to this is going to be a bad team." And they were not bad by the end of the year. They caught up to Buffalo at the end, and I know it doesn't mean anything when you're one of the seven teams that didn't get, get didn't get an invite to the bubble, but uh, but they played a lot better. And adding Crawford and uh, you know, he sure is a lot. He sure is such a good player. Uh, you know, Hughes is going to be a lot better. This is a, and Palmieri's Palmieri's proven he can just score goals. That, yeah. It's a team that I think is going to be a pain in the butt team to play against. Uh, I know that division is just absolutely wicked with teams, but uh, but New Jersey got a lot better by adding Crawford. They did get better, but like I don't know. It seems like every offseason now, New Jersey does these moves where they're short-term moves. They get some good players. They hope a lot. And then all of a sudden, somebody is going to write, whether it's, you know, from NHL.com or some other New Jersey newspaper, that they're in the playoff hunt. I don't think they're in the playoff hunt. I just think they got better. I yeah. think Crawford would have to be posting a lot of shutouts for them to be in the playoff hunt. And look, and I expect Hughes to get better. And you're right about Palmieri, but Palmieri might get traded at the deadline. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have him signed to a contract. Subban definitely will come back stronger and look better because he was out of shape, I felt. And I think that... It's probably something where he got a little embarrassed, especially in a market like that. So I expect him to be better and maybe Ty Smith comes up and that's good. But again, I don't know if it's enough. They really have to have everything break right for it to be enough. Yeah. but It's, it's kind of like what I was saying though, short season, catch a heater, maybe right. get lucky, you know, yeah, you could be right about that. Yeah, and you're right about Joe about the Metro. I mean, Jesus, I mean, it, it's just stacked uh, almost head to toe at this point. If you're a team that's on the bottom of that division, you're on the rise. I, I look the Penguins, maybe they're a team kind of uh falling off a little bit. Mm-hmm. We'll see, but I mean, you know, Jay, I, I I'm do, not ready to say that until Crosby proves it to me. You know what I mean? You feel obligated to say, um, that the Devils did win a cup in a shortened season, right? They won the lockout cup. So you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they also had Marty. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And as good as Mackenzie Blackwood was last year and as good as Crawford was, they're not, they're no Marty. No. <laughs> they had Niedermeyer, I, I believe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patrick Eliash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they got a lot of young talent, but a long way to go. Um, the Blackhawks uh, took a page out of the New York Rangers playbook and sent a letter to their fans. I guess this is the new thing. Um, when we rebuild in sports, we have to term it something. We have to uh, quantify it. We have to label it. Um, and Stan Bowman's been making the rounds in all different media outlets. He went local first, which I think is awesome, by the way. Support your local media first and foremost. Don't go yeah. national before you go local. Um, but uh, Jonathan Taves was taken back by it. I'm sure some of those uh, other veteran players like Duncan Keith and Patrick Kane and, and Brent Seabrook, who really doesn't have a leg to stand on, literally. Um we're, we're none too pleased. You shocked by this, Joe? No. Uh, well, I'm not shocked by I'm not shocked by any of it. I mean, this was kind of in the building when they hired Jeremy Carlton mm-hmm. uh, after they fired Q. This is I mean, this is this is kind of the the path they were being set upon uh, back then. And the veterans. I mean, I, 
if, if you're them and you've won three Stanley Cups, it's three, right? Three, yeah. four, three. Um, I, I can't, I can't imagine why they, why, why they would be happy with, with this. I mean, especially after beating Edmonton in the bubble. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, well, I can probably always throw an asterisk next to beating Edmonton in, in situations like that just because, but, uh, but I mean, T- I mean, Taves is still productive. Kane is still very productive. Uh, Keith, I mean, Keith's had the injury problems too. Seabrooks, I mean, yes. it's terrible for him, but, yeah. uh, but I mean, for those guys, I mean, they, they've cop they copied Detroit's playbook for, for how to, to, how to do this so well that now we're seeing, we're, you know, we're seeing the, the death throws that Detroit was in, in, in 2013 happen in Chicago now. And, I mean, this is, this is kind of the way it goes. I mean, the parallel the, the parallels are pretty stunning and i'm sure that somebody's is going to write a post on this somewhere soon but uh but for but but seeing the way things ended with datsuk and zetterberg and you know very unfortunately for johan franz i mean this is this is almost paralleled with with what's going on with chicago and you know they're stripping it down and they're trying to rebuild on the fly which that stuff doesn't really work unless you're unless you're really smart about it up top, and I think that's the, the focus a little luck. on Dan Bowman. He's got to he's got to be pulling a lot of the right strings to really make this work out well. Otherwise, I mean, if you're if you're Patrick Kane, are you trying to strong arm your way to Buffalo at some point to try try to end your career? If you're, if you're Taves, are you trying to get to Winnipeg somehow? I mean, there's a lot of things at play. I'm sure Kaner's up there playing in the beer league right now in Buffalo, anyway. <laughs> Is he still playing beer league hockey up there? I know he, he used to uh, I, I jump into after, those leagues. I think after 2015 and what happened here, I think I think the Blackhawks can't really go home yeah. anymore. Oh man, what a beauty he is! Can you imagine that Patrick Kane walking out in your beer league? Uh, it's happened before. There was there was a summer league where he popped in one time, and I think he scored. Yeah, I saw video like 15 goals in one game, and they were just like, "All right, Pat, that's that's enough." like you want to keep coming back that's fine but please stop embarrassing everybody else yeah i mean we get guys that pop into our beer league here in westchester but uh i mean no offense they're they're not going to the hall no offense to jamie lumwark it's not the same Uh, he was a first round pick at least yes but that's no fun playing against him either or or guys like uh uh, jimmy lodge who was that third round pick of uh, winnipeg was a good player yeah but it was a redirect off a skate so it doesn't count i told him Oh, listen! I, he got blatantly tripped in our zone, by the way, at right at the circle, and I and the ref called it, and I said, "That's not to, a penalty. He can't skate." Do we need to revisit the game at the stadium series for you? It wasn't your no. best moment. Oh, I was sick as a dog. Uh, I, by the way, I got scored on in a game uh, on the Michigan lacrosse goal. Yeah, you know, that video I, I put out. Yeah, that was great. This eighteen-year-old kid that plays at Westchester University—they put a team in because uh, they don't have a season, so it was called the ice holes. We're like, who the hell are these guys? Never heard of them. And this kid goes behind the net. We're up eight to nothing, by the way, four minutes to go in the second period. And he Michigan lacrosse me. I didn't he even did move it quick. He really did. He it did. Quick. I was like, I normally, if some guy does that in an eight, nothing game, he's going to get the lumber. Yeah. yeah. But I was just, I gave him stick taps. I'm like, dude, you, you executed that beautifully. He, so. he, he did it like a pro. Like I was shocked. He did it like a pro. Here's the thing about Chicago. Well, we like, shit kicked them 11 to two. So the yeah. young college boys can kiss our ass. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Blackhawks. They got a gift from the NHL and they got to taste the playoffs one, one last time. So Jonathan Tapes has nothing to be mad about. Like, honestly, he is. I totally disagree with you. No, he has nothing to be mad. None of them do. They all sucked up all the money that Chicago had and they had to know at some point there would be cap ramifications. 
they knew it, the agents knew it, and this day was always going to come. But you know what? I saw Javi. There's Bull- some mismanagement in there though, too, because look okay, at him like this. But okay, but I saw Hobby Bull and take a picture of Vasilevsky the other day. You know, call Hobby and suit him up. I mean, they need a goalie. Maybe at the last minute, uh, they bring in somebody and, and at least try and attempt to have a season with a goalie because they don't have anything in net right now. I have no faith in Colin Delia, but you know, maybe that's Malcolm what Subban. Oh, what a joke! I know, but maybe, I mean, but maybe that's come on, what, these are big names. Maybe, <laughs> no, but maybe that's what Bowman will do last minute: is take somebody from the scrap heap who's out there and say, "Okay, you're going to be our goalie with these two other guys. We won't worry about it. We'll figure it out in camp." I mean, what's next? Mike, Mike McKenna ain't going to sign there. I mean, no, but you know, they, they weren't good enough last year, but they got a break, right? So yeah. whatever. Like, they got I, some good nobody, young pieces though, too. I mean, nobody Kubelik should feel bad. Kirby nobody Doc. should feel bad for them. They no, they're still good players. You know what? Nobody plays on a playoff team or a cup contending team every year. Nobody, not in this day and age. No, it's, you know, you ask Sharks not in the salary player. cap era. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, two players, Joe, and I'll get you out of here because, and you've been so great with your time. Um, number one, Tyler Johnson. Where's he playing hockey when they resume? You know, everybody was so hot on the conspiracy that that Steve Eiserman was going to do Tampa a favor and, and pluck him off of waivers. And I said, why would Steve Eiserman do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, he doesn't know anything to Julian Breezeball. He left him with a full cupboard, gave right, him a cup. You know, like, <laughs> I, I hope, I mean, if maybe if Breezeball sent him a Stanley Cup ring for, for helping build that team, then sure. Okay. That, 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 that would work out fine. But, uh, but with Tyler Johnson, hey man, so many people in Buffalo were, were saying like, man, they got to grab him. I absolutely hate that contract. I mean, it's what, four years, 20 million left. Um, I don't know that he's, I mean, if you're putting him on as your number two center, I don't like your center depth at all. If, if you're putting him on as your number three, I mean, okay. I'd put him on the wing right now. If, if he's your winger, Hey, great. Like, go ahead and maybe he'll score it. We'll score you some score you 20 goals the next couple of years but man uh, as far as where to send them geez i don't know i it seems like it seems like arizona is always the place that you send that you send contracts to go and yeah, not anymore they don't have any money yeah like i i don't know that i don't know that you, i don't know that they got the they got the time or the patience for that it, it it's really hard for me to see where that ends up but it's it's gotta he's gotta go somewhere yeah uh, but it's, it's really gotta resolve hard. here I don't yeah, know. Like I don't Tampa know. doesn't have, really have a choice. They got to send him someplace. I mean, they have Sergachev they have to sign. I don't know. I mean, I mean he may end spot. up going back to Tampa, and then Tampa may end up forcing Seattle to take him because he's from that area. Maybe they they have to give him a player or give him a pick or something. But they, for this year, they're going to have to do something else because I think nobody wants Johnson with those extra years. That's the problem. Everybody knows that they are screwed. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, so nobody's going to do the Tampa Bay Lightning any favor. No, no, but, but the idea is, look, Stamkos could hold off his his um, surgery a little bit and could be on the LTIR for most of the season. He could pull a Peter, Peter Forsberg like, you know, my foot hurts. And then all of a sudden come back at the end of the year and win a Stanley Cup. Uh, we watched old Pete do that. And, and I think oh, Mike Stamkos- Fisher move. Yeah, but he I kind think, of retired and came back. Yeah, and, and Stamkos doesn't have to retire. He could just get his, you know, his, his surgery a little later than we all expect him to, and you know, come back late in the season. I think that could happen. 
But I think I, I look at, you know, I'm just looking over teams that have the cap space and, you know, New Jersey's, you know, New Jersey's there. Colum- I, Columbus is the team that seems to make the most sense to me. Yeah. That's the one uh, I thought of. I mean, I'll Flo- I think Florida would be great, but there's no way Tampa's going to make a deal with them. I, I think if, if, if he, if he had less term, Joe, I think the Rangers would have done it and they, and they would have probably moved Strom because they don't, they didn't really want to bring Ryan Strom back. And yes, Tyler Johnson is not a great two C, but I still think he's better than Ryan Strom. And, and that would have been at least a slight upgrade for them. Him and Panarin could have been really good. But again, you don't want them for that many years. They, the Rangers can't do that. And that's the problem. Not, the, not in the flat cap world. Yeah, not in the flat cap world. Yeah, just can't do it. Um, Zdeno Chara, Joe. Oh. It's Boston or Boston, as far as, far as I'm concerned. I, I, I think at this point, I mean, he's 43. I think Boston will leave that door open for him as long as they want to. I mean, if he wants to show up the first day of camp and say, all right, one year – million and a half let's do it i think they're fine with that i don't i can't imagine him signing anywhere else i i mean i'm sure other teams would love to to bring him on as an influence and as somebody who can who can kind of crack the whip in the room and and just be be a just a presence i think i i think there's a ton of value for that but i mean he's what he's 43 uh he looked he started looking 43 a bit, and I don't he know. He also played 26 that. minutes in one of those games in the bubble, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing about him, you never have to doubt his fitness ever, ever, right. ever, ever. He's a machine. Ever. He's, just, he's just an absolute specimen when it comes to that. But, I mean, at some point, age catches up to you. I mean, he can, he can go full Chelios and play till he's, you know, play till he's like 47 if he wants to. Um, but I just, I just can't see him going somewhere else and doing that. I think it, I think the door is open in Boston as long as he wants. And if Boston doesn't want to, they don't want to bring him back. I mean, they'll put his number in the rafters the next day. They won't hesitate, but, um, but I mean, it, as far as Char goes, he wants to play. He, he can play. I, I just, I just don't know that anybody else is going to, is going to really throw the doors open. for him. I think he's playing and I think he's going somewhere else because I think Sweeney has bungled this. I think the problem is Boston's got a lot of money. And they haven't spent it, and they haven't spent it on him either. And I think Chara, knowing this is his last year, probably wanted to get at least quartered a little bit and have Boston say, okay, yes, yeah, Dana, let's bring you back for one more year. We're going to give you a nice salary, you know, a little bump from even your last one because you're Zidane Chara and you mean everything to us. And we have the space. And we have the space. And they've done none of that. Matter of fact, Sweeney finally had to say something when Cassidy got interviewed recently, and Cassidy even said – I can envision him elsewhere because Sweeney's like, yeah, well, it's up to him now. And it's like, well, I'm assuming if the offer was good, he would have taken it. But I think he could go to Pittsburgh. I think he can go to Toronto. I really do think he, he ends up in one of those two teams. Mm, we'll have a reunion back in the island. I would never, ever time? go there. That would be such a bad look, I think. I don't, it's, good, it's a good organization now, but I just don't think he would want to go back. Toronto would that probably lead the league in uh, average age of players. I mean, geez, yep. what, what, Joe, you're close there. What the hell are they doing? I mean, uh, you have Spessa, you have now Joe Thornton. I, th- to me, they've had a huge head scratcher of an off season. Yeah. They, they keep not addressing defense. Like it, it's amazing that every year they're just kind of like, Nope, well, this'll, this'll get figured out. I, I have to think that you don't they, win in the playoffs without it. I mean, you're I, screwed. Yeah. And they keep getting burned because of it. Yeah. And you know, I, and you know, they keep talking about like, you know, maybe Freddie Anderson's going to get traded. I don't know. How, like, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you move on from that now, but I, I, I think there's, I think you can honestly say that there are some questions now about his clutch. Of the, I hate saying clutch, but 
I mean, how many times do you have to get bumped off in a, in a first round of anything to, to start asking, like, well, can this guy get it done? But I think a big part of that is the defense. Uh, the, the defense is, is a huge elephant in the room, and they just keep looking around it saying, like, geez, I wonder what's wrong with the room. Um, but they, they, have a lot of, they have a lot of love for Rasmus Sandin. I think, I think they want to put him into a bigger position. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that, you know, Zach Bogosian, they're hoping he's going to have a, a bit of a, a rub-off effect of like what he did in Tampa to kind of balance things out. Um, I, I think Bogosian can offer he can offer a lot. I think he does a lot of he does a lot of good things, but you got to know that you got to be able to rein him in too. That's that's the big thing with him uh, is that you just can't let him roam everywhere. And um, you know, I, I you know, I. I they're, they're so frustrating. And I can imagine, like, I, I can just picture being a Leafs fan and just pulling my hair out all the time that you have all this talent on this team and they can't take a step. They can't get out of the first round of anything. And it's just like, that's what I'm saying. Figure it out. Like, like, you, you like get, get the problem solved. You bring in Chara, him and Thornton are taking pictures together. It's fantastic in the offseason. Where at the, at the AARP? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are they doing? And I'm not saying either player can't play, but what I'm saying is, like, it, this is it, the, last, the roster construction is just such so this poor. Is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Last, this is the last throws of Kyle Dubas. Like, if if they have a bad, yeah, I don't think that he's on a hot seat still. No, I do. I do. Yeah. I think I think if they don't have results this year, uh, yes, we could all blame Anderson. I certainly blame Anderson for some of it. But Shanahan was just as culpable in building on and right, signing. Shanahan's very quiet. He's very quiet, and he'll he'll get by this. But I don't think Dubas will. And I think this is it. And I think Dubas is just loading up and hoping that, okay, this toughness that we were lacking, we checked that off. I know it's an older guys, you know, Wayne Simmons included, who I think is close to being done. Yeah, I again, don't even think he's an NHL player anymore. I know. I, I don't disagree with you. But again, I think this is the desperate throws of a GM that's in the last realm of his tenure. And I think oh. this is what GMs do when they try and – you know, when they know they have to, he has to get out of the first round. If he doesn't, there's no way they're bringing him back. Yeah. Well, I mean, they may not even be a playoff team. How about that? Wow. <laughs> well, you think I mean, so? Look, in that division, that division well, is tough. very tough. I, I, I think Freddie's head could be halfway to Mars at this point, hearing all the, the conversation. No, he's good in the regular season. Regular season, yeah. Freddie is good. Well, I mean, I, I just look at the situation there, and it's so flawed. They should have never signed Tavares. No, I disagree with that. I totally disagree with that. But but, but then how are you going to sign Nylander to that deal? And then how are you going to sign, you know, Marner? You and you'll Matt. eventually trade Nylander. But Nylander's goals, there's a lot of empty goals in William Nylander, and I think Joe would agree yeah. with that. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm so how – How is he in the playoffs, Joe? Well – how is everybody in the playoffs there? I know, but again, the only guy that showed up is Matthews, really, right? Like, I mean, well, Tavares has Tavares is pretty good in the playoffs. He yeah. is, but like Marner, Marner didn't show up. No, Marner no. didn't do anything. Caught a lot Marner's of crap for it too. Eleven million dollars, like, yeah, like that's that's a lot of it. It's a team that that needs so much more from their depth players, and they yes. can't afford to pay their depth players that's they, why they, they traded Kapanen because he wasn't pr proven anything even though he's a good player but he couldn't do it in the playoffs and so they had to get rid of him just because they had to try and mix that up to they had to do something but i mean they dumped andreas Janssen, and Janssen seemed like a, a the kind of not necessarily a glue guy but at least somebody who offers a change up in that no, that's true that's and true. They, they had to move him you know they had to move him to get salary flexibility because you're paying 
a ton of money to the Vars and the Marner and you know Matthews. I mean, Matthews they get they got to pay a lot of money too. What in a year or two? Like, yeah. what are they going to do then? Like, well, like how do you how do you figure in out a flat cap there? world? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. Maybe maybe they call back Canadian Tire and try and. Uh work some magic well, i mean who knows I mean, if, if this flat cap goes into two three years which it probably will going who, to knows go if the NHL, who knows if the nhl institutes another compliance buyout a free get out, a get out of jail free card uh, I, I know that gary has said he didn't want to do it he didn't do it in the return to play and part of the new cba but you know they could maybe do something like that we'll see um I mean, well, we also have to look at the point at some point gary's not going to be there either at some point, he's going to retire and hand it over to Daly. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what year that's going to be, but it's getting close. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with Toronto, too, is, and you see in the playoffs, you have to be able to win games two to one. Yeah. And you have to be able to win games six to five. And they can win the six to five games. And sometimes they don't even win those. But They, they can't have win trouble holding games. leads. They do, yeah. and that's their defense. But it's also Freddie. Freddie in the playoffs is a different goalie. He's not yeah. bad, but he isn't. And I don't want to say clutch either, but there's just sometimes, and Joe will agree with this, there's some saves that, and you too, I mean, there's some saves a goalie has to make yeah. to, to fire up his team to say, all right, you know, I didn't think he could make that save. And he had that leaky one this year on the post that I recall. Yeah. That, that was a horrible goal at a horrible yeah. time. And it's, that gets deflating. And that's what he does. You can make a list of goalies like right off the top of your head of guys that allow those sorts of goals. Yep. yep. Like right now, Anderson's a guy, you know, as much as I hate to say it, Leonard's that guy. I mean, I saw it yep. too much in Buffalo where short side, short side every time. It, it's yeah. that's a weakness. And yeah. So it, it may not be any fault of his own. I mean, it, you can do all the positioning you want, but somehow like one squeaks through your pads or or get you know, get gets under your leg. I mean, that that that's the sort of thing that ends up happening. Yeah, dead angle shot along the goal line. Those can't go in in a playoff series. No. They can't when you when every goal matters so much, and the, you see the technical goalies with the extreme technical abilities that seem to thwart that the most. Guys like Price, guys like Carter Hart, technically right. sound, uh, in, in a lot of ways that are able to hold those off. Joe, uh, thanks for doing this, man. You were awesome. Thanks, Joe. Uh, where can people find any uh, other stuff that you're doing? I know you got the podcast and uh, and your Twitter handle is uh, at Joe Yearden. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just kind of hanging out and doing some stuff. I'll be, I'm doing a little bit of writing for the McKean's yearbook. Uh, that'll be coming up uh, sometime before the season comes out. So uh, that'll be coming up. I'll be ri- doing a lot of Sabres writing there and uh, writing a lot on a few other teams too. So uh, cool. Trying try to keep the, keep the wheels greased here, you know? Well, I tell you what, I'm interested in the Sabres now. I love Ralph Kruger, by the way. I just think that yeah, he's a cool dude. I always like, I think he's a really smart guy. And players seem to love him, which is probably why they landed Taylor Hall. Look, he handled a tough situation here in Philly when Eichel wasn't going to play, and we were all wondering what's going on with Jack Eichel. That was tough, man. The spotlight was directly on him, and he didn't melt. He it didn't. was well. That was Eichel coming in on a 17-game point streak. Yeah, and right. suddenly Eichel was out, and he had to he had to try to handle it. Listen, Ralph Ralph is the king of the press conference. He will he win is. the press conference every time. Yeah, the guy is just an electric speaker. He's just he's. I, I was so happy when they hired him. I'm it, the work that he's done to make the, the Sabres a more de- better defensive team is really impressive considering how bad, how bad this team. And I'm not talking just the blue line. I'm talking just in general, uh, but the guy, team the guy team. knows his stuff. Look, he got 12 goals out of nail Yakupov, which now seems amazing. <laughs> a true magician. 
<laughs> Joe, thanks for doing this. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, right. Russ. There's uh, Joe Yurden joining us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, Russ, you and I got to debate one last thing uh, before we get out of here. And we're going to do uh, th this list that came out. And there goes Joe as you hear the little sound. Yep. Uh, this list came out of uh, the, the which division has the best goalies. You know, I had to get a goalie segment in here, right? Oh, yeah. So he here's the divisions. Number, let's start in the Pacific. Um, John Gibson. Markstrom with Calgary now, Miko Koskinen slash I get we can even go tandem here if you want. Koskinen slash Mike Smith, Jonathan Quick in LA, uh, Doobie now with San Jose along with. Uh, Don't they? leave out Jake Peterson. I mean, he's gonna be the guy, and he's gonna get some games. Yeah, I, they list Dubnik here for San Jose. I guess he they feel he's maybe ahead he's in the depth their chart. Guy. He's their guy. You think so? I don't yes. know about that. Oh no, he is. Um. Braden Holpe in Vancouver, along with obviously Thatcher Demko, Robin Lehner, and uh, Mark Andre Fleury in Vegas, and then Darcy Kemper in Arizona. Um, the Atlantic Division: Tuukka Rask, Linus Olmark, Thomas Grice is now with Detroit, Bobrovsky in Florida, Carey Price, Matt Murray now in Ottawa, Vasilevsky on All World, and Freddie Anderson, who we just talked about in Toronto. Then in the Central, Malcolm Subban in Chicago. Well, Philip Grubauer in Colorado, Cam Talbot in Minnesota, Soros in Nashville taking over for Pekka Rene, uh, Jordan Bennington, Connor Hellebuck, the reigning uh, Vesna winner, and Ben Bishop, the off-injured Ben Bishop, along with uh, Hudobin going back. And then the Metro with Shosturkin and Georgiev uh, with the Rangers, Carter Hart and Brian Elliott, Mackenzie Blackwood, and now Crawford with New Jersey, Varlamov, and they didn't even list uh, – I would probably put Sorokin here as well with the Islanders. Yeah, I would list them. Samsonoff and uh, the King Henrik uh, mm -hmm. in Washington, Jari and I guess Casey DeSmith, yeah, in Pittsburgh, uh, Morazic and Reimer in Carolina, and then Jonas Corposalo, the Corpedo, along with Merzlikins in Columbus. Which division has the top goaltending in the national? Let's do the worst first. Let's do the worst first. Okay, I'm down with that. Yeah. You go first on worst. Worst central. I don't even think. Totally it's agree. Close. It's like not even close. There's so many question marks here. Oh. Just, I didn't like the Talbot contract um, in Minnesota. Take that out of the equation, though. But I just yeah. – it's a decent environment to play in. But uh, Talbot, yeah. Yeah. Malcolm Subban, are you kidding me? He's an AHL goal. He's not even an uh, NHL backup. Well, Bishop never stays healthy. Otherwise, I like Ben Bishop. But Yeah, that's the thing. Bishop doesn't stay healthy. And I don't know that I can depend on Hudobin to do what he did in the playoffs. He got on a heater. Yeah. Um, Hellebuck fantastic obviously yeah. Bennington's won a cup I've never been a huge Bennington guy as you know <laughs> and know. Soros is a big question mark for me too so that the central to me is absolutely the weakest in the NHL when it goes to conference goaltending now the next weakest I am going to go with the Pacific I agree with you again yeah because as much as I do like Markstrom and I do think that was a good signing uh, we have to see how he fits in I love Gibson but he never stays healthy Mm -hmm. um quick quick peterson that's okay i mean do yeah. think i think he'll be better than what they have hopefully you think will be okay i mean i like demko but there's a lot of questions there you know darcy kempner arizona will he even be there like they don't yeah. even want to they may him. trade him yeah yeah i um, mean he's under under contract but you're right no, they, but they don't want the piece they can get something for him yeah, yeah. and, and laner and yeah, Leonard. I, I wonder if he if he's sustainable or not. And he's been no, really good the last two I think years. He's a different goalie now in mm -hmm. his headspace. I always felt yep. like he could do it, and so I, I have 
pretty good faith in them. All right, so it's coming down to the Atlantic or the Metro. I may surprise you, but the Metro is my next one out. And, is it? Okay. Yeah. And it's simply because the, a lot of the great goalies are unproven still compared to the Atlantic. That's really the issue. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like Sorokin, hey, we haven't seen a minute of him on the Islanders. I know nope. he can play, but we haven't. Varlamov had a really good bounce back a year, but okay. Uh, Samsonov, I don't know how hurt he is. Uh, Carter Hart keeps getting better. That's fine, but he's not at the height that he is going to be at yet. Mm-hmm. Just Durkin's a small sample size. I love what he did. And I love what he did overseas. I still think he'll continue that, but I don't know, you know, if they're, you know, if he has a hiccup, nobody's going to say anything because it could happen. Yeah. Uh, Jerry's really good. I do think, but the Smith is very marginal. So that makes, yeah, I think Jari's a tick above average. Yeah. I think he might be better than that, but even so, okay. and, and Morozik, I hate the whole setup there and I'm not wild over the goalies in, in Columbus. So you don't like Cor- Corpus Allo. I like him. I don't love him. And mm, Elvis like him is a, a little wild out there. I think if he, he could have won the job, like he easily could have won the job and they would have traded Corpus Allo in a heartbeat. Yeah, they got to trade one of them because if not, they're going to lose it. one of them, and they're both under contract at matching deals, basically. So, who do you? So, you are you going to disagree with me about the Atlantic and and the Metro? Or well, I mean, it's easy for me to get infatuated with the Atlantic because Rask has you know gotten to two cups, mm-hmm. hasn't won as the starter, but and then you look at obviously Bobrovsky, who is you know multiple Vesna winner, but really was not good last year. He wasn't, wasn't good real good in the return to play. Um, Carey Price is aging, um, and you see at what arrested uh, Carey Price could but do. He in was the playoffs. good in the bubble, yeah. He was good. Yeah, and, and that's and that's why they end up signing Jake Allen, you know, and right. they make that trade and, and they acquire him. Matt Murray's a bit of a reclamation project. He's got to change a, a lot of the elements in the way he approaches the position because his lateral movement has not been good, and he's been exposed. So he's going to have to go back to the drawing board, and the, and the goalie coach in Ottawa is going to have to work with him. Vasilevsky's great. Freddie Anderson's good, but not clutch per se. Thomas Grice, okay, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I look at that Atlantic, I go on, you know, reputation, that absolutely gets the top spot. But I do agree with you too, because, you know, Shesterkin, small sample size. Right. I think Mackenzie Blackwood's going to be uh, a great I like Blackwood, but I got to see more. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you're right about Sorokin. How does he adjust to the smaller ice surface? We don't right. know. You know, some guys do, like uh, Shesterkin did right away and, and had yeah. success. Uh, does Sorokin do that? Uh, is Samsonov the real deal? We saw, again, small sample size. Um, and what's like you said, what's going on in Carolina, I think it's a, a mess. I think it's their Achilles heel. Yep. You can't rely on it. So, I mean, I almost would call those two a, a toss-up. Okay. Um, for the moment, you may I may give the edge to the Atlantic because of experience and more known commodities and maybe some bounce back. That's the only reason they get it for me. Yeah, maybe some bounce back for Bobrovsky. Uh, I think Grace is actually a pretty good goaltender. Uh, Vasilevsky's he is, obviously. He's going to be hung out to dry there. Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you look at and maybe Matt Murray has a bit of a bounce back. And then, you know, when you look at the Metro, I mean, you look at the, the top goaltender in that division, and it's going to probably this year be between Carter Hart and Igor Shesterkin, I would imagine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I, I don't disagree with that. But again, yeah, I just look at it and I say there's more proven commodities still in the Atlantic, but I think the Metro will be better in a year or two. I just yeah. think they're not quite there yet. Boy, that's going to be tough in the Metro to come by goals in, in three years from now. And, oh, yeah. 
Shesterkin's in his prime, Carter Hart's in his prime, Mackenzie Blackwood, Sorokin if he does develop, Samson. At some point, Carolina will either get a goalie or uh, they have Kochikov or somebody else will step up there. Uh, maybe even that Yelkovic, somebody will. Yeah, those guys tandemed and, and won a Calder Cup. So, yeah. So, I mean, at some point, they'll get a better situation going. Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, to see how it plays out, but um, we'll see if. Uh... I will say this growing up, goaltending was always a position for whatever reason that I sort of looked at first and liked. And 70s goaltending had a lot of great goalies, a lot of Hall of Famers, right? But the game's changed, clearly. I mean, totally. You know, we don't have to go with that. We, we know there's not much to talk about. But. And we saw other eras, 80s, good goalies, 90s, into the 80s and 90s, it got sketchy. In the 2000s, there was a handful, maybe like five, six really great ones. And then, you know, I think we're changing of the guard there at that time, too. Yeah, there was a change in the guard. I think we're in the best. We're going to be in the best goalie era now. I do. Oh, I agree with you because the the coaching that these kids are getting at a much younger age, um, the the athleticism, you're seeing more great athletes play the position. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We talk about goalies as athletes now where like we used to talk about, wow, look, Richter was like an exception, right? Like Mm -hmm. like he's an athlete, but now we talk about him all being athletes. Blackwood's maybe the best athlete out of all these guys. Yeah. He's a freak dude. Yeah. Um, and quick in his prime was obviously yes. a total freak. It's an incredible explosion yeah. and all that. But um, but I do think this is going to be the best goalie era. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and look at this invasion coming with all these Russian goalies. You mentioned Tavi Bullen earlier. Yeah. He's working with a lot of them uh, from Sorokin to, to Samsonov. And, I mean, they all go through cycles like Finland. You know, they had the Finnish thing mm-hmm. for a while and, and that's dried up to some degree. And now Russia, it's hot, man. <laughs> Yeah, that was the Finland one was driven by Rask and Pekka Rene and, and the Finnish style of goaltending. Um, what, I mean, there was clinics here in the States to, to learn the Finnish style of goaltending. Oh, yeah. And they had their own goalie coaches. They were the only ones that would get their own goalie coaches over there because that's the way they did it in Finland. Like, it was a big deal for a while, probably a decade. Yeah, and the Swedes had to have had their turn. Kind yeah, of don't forget about UC Markin, and he played in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Uh, so you might be right. It could be the golden age of goaltending, which makes me just very happy, as you know. Um, all right, that's going to put a wrap on episode 88. We certainly covered a lot of ground in this episode, did we not? We covered more ground than 88 did in his last couple of years. Yes, we did. Maybe not real estate because he was with a couple of different teams. Uh, the only thing we didn't touch on was the World Juniors. We'll do that for the next one because uh, we have a, a date for that, and uh, we're looking forward to it. That's hockey on the calendar, yes. and it's going to start on Christmas Day. Can't wait. Although to the USHL is playing, the Q is playing to some degree. Mm-hmm. There is some hockey out there. The K is playing. You know, they're playing in, in Finland and Sweden. There is hockey if you want to watch it. You just got to really go after it. Yeah, I talked to Lena Sandin this week uh, for Flyers Daily, and he's playing over in a Swedish league right now. They're, they're underway without fans, and um, it should be real cool stuff as well. As uh, Yeah, I got a good game. report on him from Zion Nybeck before the draft. One of his teammates who now maybe he's going to leave because he's not getting enough playing time because there's so many veterans on that team. But he, he spoke highly of Sandin, who's yeah, Rasmus, t- his brother. Yep, Rasmus Sandin. Uh, I talked to uh, Joachim uh, Grumberg, the Flyers uh, – European scout that is based out of Sweden about him too. And he, he had rave reviews about him. Bottom six player, but he's yeah. a, a physical sweet. Yeah. He'll throw it around a little bit, 24 years old. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing him as well. All right. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Number 88 is in the books. We'll be back with 89. That's Russ Cohen. Follow him on Twitter at Sportology, sportology.com. 
follow the podcast at Stick to Hockey Pod. Follow me at Jason Mert. Leave us a rating and review. And if you don't, we'll come after you. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the Stick to Hockey Pod. Makes you wanna have the other half die.